0: Wanda Wallace. Welcome to Out of the Comfort Zone. Regardless where you sit in any organization or the part of the world in which you reside, I think you can probably agree with me that the quality of our conversations has declined in the last few years. For one, time is an incredibly precious supply. And two, the task list is unending, is an understatement. The coordination burden, how many people you have to coordinate with and so on. And the channels for doing any communication have just multiplied. And as a result, I think we've become incredibly utilitarian, very task focused in all of our conversation. And that puts an incredible amount of pressure on our ability to talk. So today I want to talk about four ways that you can engage with somebody else and want to make the case that we are not using all four effectively. And we'll talk about what they are, how to develop capability, and ultimately how that lets you have better conversations and better outcomes, because the outcomes is what we're looking for. So my guest today is Janine Turner. She's a professor at Georgetown University, where she teaches both in the communication culture and technology program and in the school of business at georgetown and her research is on how we use communication technologies how they influence our work home and friendships an award-winning teacher published in many places presented her work nationally and internationally and i should say of course lives in vienna virginia with her family so janine welcome to the show
1: well, oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I love your connection to communication and conversation. So I was excited about getting the chance to work with you.
0: Great, Janine. I'm excited about it. I I don't know if you know, but others probably do know, my listeners do know, I believe that everything that happens in business ultimately requires conversation. Mm-hmm. So if we improve the quality of the conversation, then we're going to improve improve a lot of things the quality of our life, the quality of our output, the quality of our results. So it's just, I think we're not, we just need it so badly. But yeah. before I get launched on my soapbox, I always like to start with a question, why? Why did you start researching and writing about this whole thing of being present? What's the problem you're trying to solve?
1: Wow. Well, I, first of all, I uh, also agree that our lives succeed or fail one conversation at a time. I think mean, we're constantly building on that. And so when I, uh, I get, when I finished my PhD at Ohio State, it was right at the time the internet was re- like really kind of taking off, which like totally dates me, I know, but, um, and it was when people started talking about email. And I mi- immediately was interested in how people were using email as a mechanism of communication and all the, missing cues because of email. I also had an opportunity to work in um, some research projects where um, we had uh, people that had health challenges, specifically hemophilia, were connecting to this like um, bulletin board system, which was like prior to the web, but it, but so I saw challenges with email, but then also this potential for connection where you brought communities together. So there was this opportunity with technology. And what I saw over time since then, where we had instant messaging, we have texting, we have a, a wide variety of platforms have emerged is that with each and every new channel, there's a disruption to the way we communicate because it acts as a, it gives us different options, different opportunities, whether it's our nonverbal or verbal options. And in doing it, it gives us different ways to think about communication and specifically how are we socially present? So social presence describes my feeling of connection to you. So how connected I feel right now with you in conversation People talk about presence as mindfulness or being present in the moment. I want us to focus on social presence. How connected do I feel in this conversation? So, The two of us connecting because we had this time ahead of time to to get to know each other, we've had a couple of calls ahead of time, makes me feel really connected with you now. You're very comfortable, easy to talk. So it's not that it has to be physically present, but it's what's my social presence connection with this other person. It could be over a text, it could be over email, it could be over video. So i found that to be really interesting. Um, I've done this research in distance education, in telemedicine, um, within healthcare contexts, And then also just over time, looking at the changing uh, nature of technology. So it's been a theme throughout my research.
0: I definitely want to get to the question of how is technology impacting that. But before I dive deeply on that one, I want to do some homework on the social presence. So just to repeat what you said, social presence is that feeling of connection. Mm -hmm. And I want to emphasize, if you think about having impact, influencing people, persuading someone to adopt an idea or to pursue a change, um, a good talk, um, being memorable, your brand, every one of them, and trust even. And for that matter, requires connection. Right. So you're really giving us the building blocks that are gonna allow us to have the impact at the end of the day, that feeling of connection.
1: Absolutely, and I really think that... Really reflecting and thinking about social presence in every context on a moment-by-moment basis helps us to really focus on those very variables that you're talking about, like who is my audience, how am I connecting to my audience, how am I connecting at both a content level, task level, but also a relationship level to get me to a place where I can influence, I can um, engage, I can support, I can feel, uh, um, you know, manage the goals of whatever communication I'm trying to get across.
0: Right. And we, I mean, everybody and his brother is talking about trust and trust is a secret, but right here is the piece that I think this is the piece that unlocks trust at the end of the day is that sense of connection. Yes. All right. Is it—is it true that we need this now
1: more than ever? I mean,
0: have we really gotten worse at this?
1: I definitely think we have mainly because we have become much more efficient about the way we manage communication. So we think of communication as a task to be juggled. And most of our platforms kind of reinforce that. If you think about you, you have a list of emails and you want to make sure you get through all those emails, or you have a bunch of texts that you have to make sure to get through. And so immediately you're triggered to start thinking, Oh, I gotta, I gotta manage these tasks and managing a person as a task to be juggled only works. If that person already likes you, thinks you're awesome, will do whatever you want them to do. Then you can kind of treat a person like a task to be juggled. Um, and actually not for very long. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but the, the value of um communication and of a content relationship basis is this idea of relationship. And what happens when we're physically present, the reason why I think it's been challenging, I think over the last 30 years, when we're physically present and I am start thinking task and I'm con and I'm connecting with you, Wanda, and you start telling me something that I don't like, or your face starts suggesting to me through nonverbals that you're not excited about what i'm saying or so upset i am then triggered to start thinking oh wait a minute i have to get off task i have to get on relationship because you're giving me nonverbal cues that suggest wow um you are not on the same page that i'm on so now we have so many different technologies that don't allow me to see that nonverbal cue so i have to imagine what that nonverbal cue is and in doing that i Sometimes just imagine people like me and I continue on with my task. There's nothing yeah. to stop me from thinking differently. Does that make sense? It
0: makes sense. Because I think when we use all these other channels, we, uh, so first off, I think we way underestimate the impact of the nonverbals, yeah, and our understanding of the message, number one, mm-hmm. and then in believability and trust and all those other human factors, that connection factor that you've been talking about. Right. And so- Every time we go to one more reduced channel or one more task, I think we're missing it. And one of the problems with Zoom, I find, is that you only see a portion of my body. You can barely see my hand. You certainly can't see the rest of me. So all of that energy and excitement is just gone.
1: Right. And I think what's... I, th- I think you're right about that. In fact, I often sometimes try to get my hands up into the camera, even though that makes me seem weird, yeah. <laughs> but you can see more of my body. But I think another thing that's important to think about with Zoom is it's different than an audio call because if, say, for example, you decided not to put your camera on, you are actively choosing not to show yourself to me. Whereas with odd aud- in an audio call, I couldn't see you no matter what, right? But in, so it it, it adds all these other nuances that we didn't even really right. uh, think about prior to these opportunities.
0: Okay, I hope everybody listening and everybody who's been in a webinar with me, here's that message that not yeah. turning on your camera yeah. is actively choosing to, and it's a signal that gets interpreted right? whether you meant it or not meant it. So anyway.
1: Right, so cameras out. yeah, and to your point, that's why you have to, the opportunity for misunderstanding is high because I am thinking, Oh, you know, Wanda doesn't have her camera on. She must not want to engage with me in the same type of social presence that I want to engage with her. So she's doing something else. She's distracted. So, So, but it could be you're totally engaged. You're totally interested. Maybe you don't like to look at yourself while you're in a meeting and it is an important meeting. And so you really want to concentrate. So you can't do it if you're having to have your camera on. So it means that it requires us to have these explicit conversations about, Hey, you know what, Wanda, I just want to let you know, I'm not going to have my camera on today. I really want to focus on this. I'm taking notes and it's distracting to me to look at myself, but I want you to know, I'm completely engaged. I actually I'm um, excited about this topic and I want to be a part of this conversation. So it requires us to do that extra work so that all those assumptions aren't going on in the background.
0: Yeah, I still think those assumptions go on anyway. But all right, let's not get down that line. So social presence is that feeling of being connected. Yep. And that we've, as we've, our task list has gone up and the channels, the means of communication have gone up. What we're starting to do is treating, pre, treating communication as a task to be juggled. Yep. And that task is juggled means I am treating a person as if they are a task, which is never a f- fun feeling anywhere right. along the line. Yep. And we've also, in this world of communication, we're losing a lot of the nonverbals that help us really understand the meaning and the connection. Okay. All right. So then let's turn to talk, because I really like your dichotomy of four types of social presence. So I want to know what are the four, and then kind of give you an example of each so I understand what each feels
1: like. Oh, absolutely. Um, so the four, four types of uh, social presence, the first one is budgeted, and it really ties into this whole task idea. So when I was thinking about how we are present today, when I choose budgeted presence, I'm basically choosing to treat you as an expenditure. So I'm allocating my presence to different c- conversations. So I might be texting one person while I'm texting, emailing with another person while I'm also on a video Zoom call with someone else. So budget is when I'm trying to a- manage multiple conversations at any one time. I'm multi-communicating. And while everyone says it's difficult to do it, most people think they can do it. And I would argue multitasking is um, is very difficult. Many, much of the research says that only about 3% of the population is a super tasker that can actually do that. And multi-communicating is even more complex than just multitasking. It's managing this relationship, managing our histories, our values, hist- all, all of our background together, our roles, while I'm actually trying to do this in multiple conversations at once. So budget is very, very difficult to do. To say you can't do it um, or um, or to not do it is almost, re- um, it's unrealistic. All of your listeners would be like, oh, well, forget it. I, I can't listen any farther because if she's telling me I can't do that. But you have to recognize When you're doing that, you are treating each of those communicators as an expenditure. You're treating them as a task to be juggled, and your focus is on efficiency. So if you can get away with that, with those relationships and those people, then budgeted presence can work. A second...
0: Hold on, or just to say that means yeah. that I'm treating, if I'm interacting with you in that way, then I am treating you as a task to be juggled. Yep. I'm worried about my efficiency, not your efficiency. And I'm trading my time off of your time.
1: Correct, though I will say that sometimes you see a group of people all sitting around and everybody is on their technology in a conversation while yeah. they're also budgeted. Yeah. Or, or, but you'll see also, for example, you'll. I don't know if you've ever been to dinner and with a group of people and people are talking and then all of a sudden people start looking at their phone and then all of a sudden everyone's looking I at their phone, the phone. Yeah. because they're thinking, well, why am I not? Right. If everyone yeah. else is treating everyone like a task here, why shouldn't I be doing it too? So it's amazing how fast it it um, it's, it's contagious.
0: <laughs> yeah. And the um, Gloria Marks has fabulous research on this one to say that unless one task is menial, meaning it requires zero cognitive capability, we cannot multitask. What we do right. is serially attend.
1: Exactly. And that's
0: what people are doing in the conversation. I attend to one and then I'm attending to the other, just like at dinner. I'm attending to the conversation and then I'm attending to my phone. Right. And ask yourself, you think you're listening? I wanna know what you remember 30 minutes later and it will be zero of the thing that right. didn't get your attention.
1: Right, because Wanda, great point, because conversation is never a menial task. It's not like walking or chewing gum or... um. Many tasks that are so habitual and routine that we do them all the time. Conversation is never like that because even if it's a conversation that's normal to me that I'm used to, maybe I'm used to giving a specific type of advice, or I'm used to dealing with a specific person uh, with the same complaint over and over and over. And you're thinking, "Oh, I've heard this a million times. I'm going to just check my phone while she continues to whine, whine, whine about this issue." It's it still is not taking advantage of the empathy needed in every conversation for your audience. So it's not about what's efficient for you; it's about how does your audience feel cared for, attended to, and engaged? Uh, which is which is why efficiency is not the right model to be thinking about and
0: trust. All right. So we're talking about budgeted, where I'm really trying to treat somebody as an expenditure, and I'm budgeting my time a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit somewhere else, okay? Right. All right. so second,
1: second is entitled. okay, what when i I really know and I noticed this category. Uh, because of budget. Right. So what happened was we had all these phones coming into the classroom, phones coming into business meetings. The knee jerk reaction is, okay, everybody put your phones away Yeah, (laughs) to me. Everyone pay attention to me. And so entitled is basically, even though it sounds kind of uh, a lot of times people don't like that name because it's uh, like why entitled has maybe kind of like a negative term associated with it. But entitled is basically saying, I am, I am trying to control your social presence. I am saying that my decision about how to spend social presence with you is more important than whatever yours is. And the reason it's necessary is because everybody is walking around with a digital device with them on them at all times, whether it's a smartphone, smartwatch, you know, smart glasses. So they have the option to do something else all the time. And even if they want to connect with you, someone else can reach them and pull them out. So entitled presence was created because we needed to control the fact that everyone had these devices. And so the initial idea with around entitled is I'm going to use my power in the relationship, my status, my credibility to try to control what you're doing with your social presence. I'm treating you as a container. I've got a message, you need to stop everything and listen to my message. And while I initially started thinking of it as it related to digital devices, like making people put their laptops away or putting their digital device away, what happened during COVID, which was like an exciting time to be studying this, was that everyone had their devices. I couldn't say put your devices away because then you wouldn't be able to talk to me anymore. But I wanted them to just focus on me. So then I tried to control that by saying, Um, everyone has to put their camera on. I'm controlling your social presence by doing that. Or everyone has to put something in the chat every five minutes to just to, to make sure I know you're there. That's controlling presence. If I said entitled presence could be, everyone has to come back to the workspace, So you can't work from home anymore. I'm trying to control where everyone's going to have their space. So entitled It's any time I'm trying to control the social presence of someone else and the reaction to return to work mandates the reaction to you better put your zoom camera on the reaction to put your phone away has been who are you to do that? Who are you to take control of my social presence like that? Even though people don't know the word social presence, it's like, who are you to take control of my agency around conversations? So entitled, we're treating someone like a container. We're saying our presence is more important than someone else's, and we're trying to control that. And it's usually met with um, frustration or kind of a rejection or Um, people get upset in some way. Maybe they might do it because you have the credibility or the status, but that doesn't guarantee a conversation. You can see that if you've ever been a parent, you've been in a family dinner and said, okay, everybody put your technology away so we can have a fun family conversation. (laughs) So you might get the technology away, but you're not necessitating a fun family conversation. That's right.
0: You're not engaging. You're not getting engagement and the conversation you're looking for. You're getting compliance, I guess we would
1: say. And again, the compliance is based on my status, my credibility. And then again, it's not thinking about my audience. So budgeted, I'm not thinking about my audience. And um, entitled, I'm really not thinking about my audience. I'm, I'm focusing on my own needs.
0: Okay. All right. Great. So that's entitled. What about the next one?
1: Okay. So competitive, I love. I've been teaching in at my PhDs in communication. I've been teaching public speaking classes as long as I've been involved. I used to teach Dale Carnegie. So competitive is really about a lot of what we already know about influence and persuasion. It's how do I use even Aristotle, right? Logos, pathos, and ethos. How do I engage my audience. And it's been never been more important than before, because the audience has more agency than they have ever had, because they're not stuck in a room anymore. And even if they are physically present and stuck in a room with you, they still have a digital device with them. They can take them away from whatever messages they're you're providing. So people have always been able to not pay attention to you. You know, your mind works four to five times faster than I can ever speak you know, which is why I'm a fast talker. I'm worried people are not paying attention. So I'm like talking fast. Um, so you've, we've always had to try to engage our audiences, but now more than ever, we see it because we see people not paying attention. We see people on their phones. We see people looking away. We people see people distracted. We see people not turning their camera on in a Zoom meeting. So competitive is about really recognizing in our brains that this message is about influence. I'm trying to persuade my audience and I'm treating you like an investor. What do I need to do in my message to get you to invest in my message? What is it about my message that you care about? How is it going to help your life? How is it that I'm going to, it's going to help your community? How is it going to solve some problem you have? So if I have in my mind competitive, I should be thinking about my audience is an investor and I'm trying to get them to invest in my message over all the opportunities out, out of all the other comp- competitive messages they're being faced with right at any one time.
0: Right. So it's not that I'm, it is that I am competing for your time and attention, which right. means puts the emphasis away from me and on to you, which is right. the important part. Right. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting distinction too, to just acknowledge that i am always in competition for your attention that there is not a moment today in which there isn't something else that might actually be very engaging very exciting very whatever
1: right it could be a synchronous uh disruption like there's texting going on in your phone right now and you feel it vibrating or a call is coming in or you're on your zoom and you hear you see your emails right or you know some kind of social media update but it could also be asynchronous because because of the way our brains are being kind of challenged by this constant um, feedback loop that we are in place with our with our digital devices is that even when we're not um, in having a synchronous disruption, we're thinking about, oh my gosh, my phone hasn't rang, or someone's supposed to be calling me, they haven't called me, or I know I've got this email piling up the longer I'm in this conversation. Oh my gosh, how much longer is this going to be? So there's this constant distraction.
0: Okay, constant distraction. Now, you threw something away that says our brain works at four times the speed that we talk, but I've also heard we process information at one-eighth the speed at which we talk. So clarify for me there where the story is.
1: So I think what uh, what I want us to be thinking about is that while we are um, in a conversation, you... Uh, I'm your brain is working four to five times after thinking and and, and hearing and understanding what I'm thinking about. And so even though you not might not necessarily be complete comprehension, you think you know what I'm what I'm thinking about. And with that extra time, you are already thinking about a response to me. So mm-hmm. when I say something, truly engaging, listening is the hardest thing we do as humans. <laughs> Put ourselves in the view where someone's thinking about try to understand what does those what do those words mean what do those words mean in context of the relationship that i'm in with this person and the uh not just the relationship i'm in but the history of what's going on right now because each word could mean something else depending on different relationships norms um even something as Uh, something as simple as the word satisfied. What that means to me, what that means to you is is, uh, many different things. And then you have much more, more complex words. So we have this idea that we can hear so that we understand. And that's what communication is about. But listening is about truly, truly trying to understand where the other person is coming from. And that's what takes a lot more time.
0: Okay. All right. Fantastic. I got that one. All right. So we've got budgeted We've got entitled, where I am worrying about my time and my efficiency, not so much about my counterparty's concerns or interest or relationship or anything, for that matter. Then we have competitive, where I shift the equation and I understand it is truly about you having many sources of things for your attention and time, and I am competing. So I have to be on point, on message, sharp, care about what you're caring about. All right. Now, what's the fourth one?
1: The fourth one, my favorite. So the reason, and why do I say my favorite? Because I think it's at most at risk of becoming extinct. So basically, the more that we're in budgeted presence, meaning we are allocating our our attention across multiple conversations, the more we're in multiple conversations at once, the less I can ever be in invitational. So invitational presence is when I, as a communicator, I've decided I'm only going to focus on one conversation. I'm going to be completely dedicated and focused to that one conversation. It could be in person. It could be over text. It could be over email. It could be over Zoom. But I'm, and it doesn't even have to be synchronous, right? Because, but I'm just focusing on this one other conversation, this one other relationship. In this situation, I'm treating this um, communicator as a partner. So again, I'm not treating them as an allocation. I'm not treating them as, as a container, or an investor. Instead, I'm treating them as a partner, which means I'm looking at this conversation as an opportunity for dialogue and learning. I'm not necessarily trying to persuade this person of something else. I'm just trying to better understand where they're coming from. I want them to understand where I'm coming from. And it's based on this, uh, a colleague of mine who built this idea of invitational rhetoric, which basically with this idea of um, creating an environment of safety, value, and freedom. I feel safe communicating in this environment. I feel um, valued that I am a person that matters and that, that I matter to you, you matter to me. And I feel free to speak about any topic, even free to say something maybe you don't agree with, because we'll be able to have the time and focus and attention and trust to work out those differences. So invitational is Invitational is the fourth type of presence, but the one that we used to have opportunities for so often, and now we hardly ever have opportunities for. We ha- uh, When we came back from COVID, so many businesses said, oh, we have to get back in the workplace for these water cooler conversations, or we have to have these spontaneous conversations where we just happen to see someone. And that's those are types of invitational spaces where potentially you see a person, you didn't see them before, and you get a chance to kind of engage. But but that's not the only type. But what's happening is I think th- those were examples in organizations where they recognize when we just focus on the task and efficiency for communication, we're missing out on so much. We also see invitational in the family situation or in friendship situations where people are all out to dinner and people are on their phones while they're also having a conversation or you go into the house and maybe everybody wants to watch a television show together, but no one can agree on a show. So everyone just goes to their own rooms to watch <laughs> that show. So invitational is something that actually we never had to work at before because we did not have the types of distractions that we do today. And now because we have this constant distraction, we really do have to work on invitational space.
0: Right, this re- your example about can't agree on the TV show reminds me many boomers yeah. remember the days when there was only one TV and it was a relatively small screen. By the way, in fact, shockingly small, yeah. and the family would gather around because there was only one space. And by the way, there was only one or most two shows you were going to watch, any rate. Right, so there wasn't that competing option. So it forced a togetherness in a way. Now that doesn't mean you right. talked about the show or anything else right. for that matter, but at least you had the common experience. Okay, let me see if I get this straight because competitive and invitational are both focusing on the other. Yep. But in competitive, I'm focusing on what I have to offer you and getting you to buy it. Right. On invitational, I'm looking for a co-discovery kind of opportunity.
1: Correct. And And someone might say, well, aren't you going back and forth between those in conversations? And couldn't you be going back and forth between all four of these choices in the conversations? Of course. What I, the reason why I, I want us to parse them out for us to re- rhetorically to start thinking in our head, where am I in different part, stages of the conversation? Because invitational is all about curiosity and in, and competitive presence is not as much about curiosity. It's about, I'm trying to get you to do something. And what can I do to, How can I create something exciting, fun, uh, engage with interests that you have already to try to pull you around to my way of thinking? Whereas invitational, I don't, I'm going to share my perspective and I want you to share your perspective. I'm open to hearing what you have to say and open to change and thinking differently. And I think because invitational is at so at risk of being lost in organizations we have to start being strategic about how we think about all four types i'm not saying that budgeted is bad i'm just saying that it has some uh, risks and consequences to the relationship as a result entitled sometimes is necessary because we need to maybe create an environment where people are going to all be together and then maybe shift to another type of presence, right? Um, competitive is critical because people are distracted by a number of different conversations at all times. And invitational is something that, again, we have to start thinking, how what's my diet during the day of invitational with certain people? Because if if you don't create those opportunities for invitational space with people that you care about or people that are close to you or people that you need to work closely with, You will not build the trust that you're talking about or the relationship that you've been talking about. And that's so critical for success in organizations and relationships. As
0: I think about the concept of trusted advisor and becoming a trusted advisor, that means different things in different industries. But I think everybody gets the general sense that a client or a senior person trusts Mm -hmm. you to Mm -hmm. talk to you. That's an invitational conversation. And what's interesting about that is, it, even in a sales strategy, it begins the best begin with an invitational conversation. Mm-hmm. Maybe dip into a competitive, mm-hmm. but come right back to the invitational.
1: Oh, I think that's such a great point because I I was in sales. I I mean, I worked in sales with Generals for five years, and. To the extent to which you come in in any sales situation with a solution before you understand what the audience's problem is, you're already are, are, are in, a, in a bad place, right? So you're right. It's We have to be able to be aware and cognizant of these strategies because we do need to be moving back and forth. And it's so easy for us to stay in the competitive and not recognize the importance of invitational for, for creating that dialogue. So mm-hmm. you're right. We need, but I think if we don't, Um, if we don't start thinking about these four different strategies, it's harder for us to recognize how we can be intentional and strategic in each one.
0: Right, right, right. It's interesting. Um, because it reminds me how much I love the invitational. Like I always work towards the invitational. It's just the thing that just makes me excited. And it doesn't almost matter the topic so long as it's mutually invitational. All right. So let me repeat. Then I want to talk about how do we get better at these and switch between them. So I've got budgeted and entitled where the emphasis is on me as the speaker, um, getting what I need Yep. in budgeted. I'm serial, serially attending, trying to manage multiple conversations at a time. And basically I'm budgeting how much attention I'm going to give you. I treat you as my counterparty as the person, um, who I, I'm just going to manage a task. Right. You, a task. Right. Okay. All right, the entitled is, I have the power, the status, the credibility, the authority. I want you to listen to me, put everything aside, focus only on me, okay? Right. My goal, my attention, my everything, I'm controlling what you do with your time and attention, and that doesn't usually go very well, but okay, we do yep. it on occasion for good reasons sometimes. It can
1: I mean. work, yeah, can work.
0: <laughs> it, has, it may have its moment in day, as does budgeted. All right, competitive, I'm trying to persuade. So I have to really tune in to where the audience is coming from, what they're thinking, what their problem is, and then put it in their language. So it is focused on the other, but it is still really a matter of influence. And I'm treating you like you are an investor in my idea. And I'm persuading you. I'm selling you on the thing I want. All right. Invitational is I'm still invested in you as the listener, but now it's a, I use the word co-creation. It's a bit of curiosity. Yeah. I will give a perspective, but I want to know your perspective. I want to hear from you. And I'm willing to take the time to understand your point of view, even if we disagree with it.
1: Correct. Right. Okay. That's, that's a great summary. Thank you so much. Fabulous. <laughs> great summary. All
0: right. Now, the $64,000 question here yeah. is, how do we get better? Well, I want to know, how do we switch? Can you switch? Like if I started budgeted, can I go to Invitational or is that just a step too far?
1: No, I think you absolutely can. I think it happens often, but I think it requires this, um, what I call meta communication about your communication. So I think maybe I am in the middle of budgeted presence. I'm in in a middle of conversations and someone comes in to talk to me about something that's really important. I would say this is really important. I really want to have a conversation with you about this. Let me finish up these tasks so that I can focus just on you, because this is how important this is to me. Or maybe um, you want invitational and someone else isn't budgeted, right? And you notice that they are not paying attention to say, you know what, this relationship really matters to me, this conversation really matters to me. So if we could schedule the best time for us to talk I would like to do that because I really want your input. And I know that this is might not be the right time. So it's not trying to shame a person um, or you're not trying to put the person in an uncomfortable situation, but you're just, you're just showing your relationship and your um, conversation is more important to me than anything else right now. So I'm willing to wait till I can get that focus. Does that make sense?
0: That makes a ton of sense. So that means either as the receiver or as the initiator. Yeah. I can switch that, but I have to intentionally state, hey, this is important. Let's find right. a better time.
1: Correct. Right. Okay. And I think that we also have to recognize that just because you invite someone doesn't mean they're going to accept that, that invitation, right? Yeah. Uh, so so it's so and sometimes it might take a little time because we are not used to being in invitational conversations. We if you think about it, even just sitting next to someone on the couch, and you're tr- and neither of you are talking. After about thirty to forty seconds, both people probably pick up their phone. Yeah, and, and the chance for invitational is gone. So it's you almost have to stop yourself from engaging in uh, budgeted presence to give yourself the chance to uh, be open to an invitational conversation. All right, so, so this distraction.
0: This puts a point on why we say get comfortable with silence.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Which is so hard. Silence in the presence of someone else is very awkward. It, it feels uncomfortable. And so we have to start. And that's really important because some people, some people will jump into silence and other people need two to three seconds of silence, maybe before they are going to jump in. Like I'm an interrupter which people think, it, sometimes people think that's rude. My husband, he is, he, he, he's like, you're always interrupting. That's rude. You need to give everybody a chance to talk. For me, I get excited. And I'm jumping in on the conversation to let that person know how excited I am. He, oh my gosh, you get you have to have a th- three second window. So like my family's like, oh, talk, 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 talk. And they often say, well, wow, how come John doesn't want to ju- you know jump in? Because he needs a window. And he, if you don't give it to him, he's never going to jump in.
0: Okay. All right. But that's one of the things that I recognize, particularly if I want invitational um, presence. Right. i got to do a little bit more adapting to the other person's comfort zone, in effect.
1: Absolutely. Right. Okay. Which might take right. more time. Yeah. Okay.
0: What if we're in entitled? So now, if I'm the person who's controlling the entitled, I can certainly shift that.
1: Absolutely. So in entitled... I think a lot, a lot of times we start with Entitled hoping to get invitational, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you have a retreat in your organization. Okay, no technology at the retreat because I want us to really have these great collaborative conversations. And that's why I think it's important to have kind of this negotiation with Entitled and Invitational. Almost like if you want to have collaboration at a meeting, let people know ahead of time on Friday at our meeting at two o'clock you know, I'm going to expect collaboration on this topic. I'm going to let you know ahead of time. I'm going to expect that. I expect it because I need your help because I care about you. I care about your input. So you're building the relationship. You're, you're explaining why it's helpful, not only for you, but for the team, the organization, for the relationship, for whatever goals you have. Um, and then you're letting people know ahead of time, because I think even now, There's been so many norms developed that people just imagine if I'm on a Zoom call, I can have five things going at once because everyone expects that. So we almost have to really schedule and be careful and thoughtful about how we approach that, which is why I think sometimes entitled can lead into invitational. But entitled without that care, just everybody put your phones away listen to me, is always going to get a uh, pushback. In fact, uh, the last probably... 15 years as I've done interviews and research with this topic, fewer and fewer people say that they would ever ask someone to put their technology away, but they're still mad that someone doesn't do it. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Because it says a signal that you are not right. the most important thing that's going on at the moment, which is not a great deal of fun. as right. it, a it, it says
1: it's, that, people, but also people feel even at the CEO executive level that they don't have a right to ask, but they're still mad. So we have to get out of this. I'm mad that you're not doing what I want you to do, but I'm not telling you what to do. We have yeah. to get out of that. We have to start communicating about what we need.
0: Right. I'm thinking about a top team that I have worked with at an organization that I like a great deal, just for the record, and it will remain nameless. They contracted with me because they wanted the team to be better at having very difficult conversations, particularly around key decisions. Mm -hmm. The CEOs are going to hold the right to make that decision, but wanted the team to weigh in more effectively and be willing to debate and disagree with each other. You know, that's smart in lots of ways. Right. And the initial work that we did with them was forcing a more invitational presence. I would not have known this without your language, but it's a technique I use that forces everybody to speak and everybody to listen. I mean, I guess you can fade out, but the you know technology wasn't there. It was, you were sitting in a circle. There's a whole setup to it that makes it feel more invitational. Okay. Um, that team has gone, they still have that technology and occasionally will use that methodology, but what they've done is now gone to screens in front of them, Mm -hmm. largely because somebody is remote. Yeah. What that means is everybody has their laptop open in front of them, every single conversation. And I have to tell you, it feels horrible and the quality of their conversation is declined. Yes. They're not engaging. Even if you're not doing anything other than taking notes, it's a distraction, and the camera there is a distraction. So it's just—it's yeah. the whole thing it's set up, and it's not just what the person says. Right, it's the
1: context
0: too that signals right. the kind of conversation we're right. doing.
1: You know, I think that's such a really great point, and that's. That's why it, if you're in this kind of environment, of, uh, like a Zoom environment or Teams or any one of these uh, platforms, another way to create an invitational space because what you're trying to do is to manage the serendipity, the um, the impromptu, the oh, great point. That's so. What I found, like, if you can create a collaborative space, collaborative document and you have everybody on video, then what's happening is people are sharing in a space at the same place. So maybe you have, these are our strengths, these are our challenges, these are our undiscussables, and it's anonymous. So people are on that document sharing. Right. And what you're trying to do is, again, we're going back to social presence. You're trying to create a social presence of connection where right. people feel as if everybody can communicate and everybody feels valued and everyone has free to sh- is free to share. It's the safety value of freedom. So it's not that we can't do that in these um, online environments, but we do have to make the effort to do it and we have to help people understand how important it is to do it. And if you're just going to use video without some other mechanism that will allow people to share information, um, except for in this kind of order or this weird way where I can't keep track of when the next person's going to go, then it, it becomes problematic. But there are ways you can do it. Right. The challenge with chat is it's so quick that people will not use the chat, or there's definitely using a chat, but it's not the one everybody else sees. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah, there's the
0: all sorts thing. of I've seen yeah. I think I've seen every variation on that theme, yeah. and people use chat for different purposes, also. right? So it doesn't it doesn't work as well. But you yeah. know, like those collaborative boards, Miro is one of the products that I know, but there's dozens of them out there that allow people to write on the board um, in a big way. Um, I know that there are whiteboarding in all of our, um, like in Zoom or in whatever teams, but those don't work very well, quite honestly.
1: Right. I I think that especially if there's a a skill level that's necessary for you to be able to contribute, I'm just basically talking about like a Google Doc, doc, something very simple. But even to your point, I mean, the energy in the room is not there. So then now I know people are thinking, oh, what about the metaverse? Well, I'll have an avatar and then we'll see the sense of where we feel in the room. But it's never going to be this. uh, Maybe I sound too old that I can't handle this new technology, but the energy I feel from the physical presence of someone else, the feeling I get from looking in your actual face and feeling how you're feeling, that is a very unique and special context for building relationship and trust. And as you're taking cues away from that, it becomes harder and harder to do that. Not to say you can't, but it, it's, um, it's right. hard. Now I will say, because we haven't been, um, because we're not as skilled in invitational conversations at our, our children and I as skilled in invitational conversations that we're losing the ability to pick up on nonverbal cues and to pick up on that, energy in the room and to pick up on what does physical presence mean, where I think we're losing some of that sensitivity, much like a social muscle, we're not exercising it in the same way. So I think that's problematic as well in making us be versatile in many of these different contexts.
0: Right. We may eventually, just as a plug for technology, get an avatar that does as good of a job on the emotional expressions and the whole body physical thing Maybe one day. We're not there yet, but maybe we'll get there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's shift. You know, my favorite topic is how do I get better at it? So yep. how, and particularly on invitational. Yep. How do I get better at doing invitational? What's the secret for skill?
1: So I think what's really important, especially in, I think in the workplaces, people are going back to, people are in hybrid relationships, hybrid workplaces. And even if they come in, People are still task, task, task. I think COVID put us all in this very efficient task to try to get jobs done. So what I think is really important is almost to make a list of the people in your workplace that you need to have trust and strong relationships. And you can't have, you know, a thousand, right? What are the key people that you need that you're working with? It could be internal as well as external stakeholders. It could be certain customers that you need to make sure that you're creating invitational space with. I'd say the same thing with friends and family. Who are people that I need to make sure to create a, um, a diet or a, a schedule of invitational space? And I think it's something you reflect on on e- either it's every day or weekly. How much invitational presence have I had with this person? Or how much invitational space have I had the chance to have with this person? So you're monitoring how you are with a person. Because what's happened is our organizations are c- containers of activity our businesses are containers, acti- physical infrastructure containers. Our fam- our houses are containers activity. But specific communications doesn't happen unless you make that happen because of these digital devices. So we no longer are guaranteed to have a face-to-face conversation just because we're at dinner together. We might spend the entire time on our technology talking to someone else, right? So I think it's about being very thoughtful and strategic about making a list of the people that you need to have invitational space with.
0: Okay and then are there ways of having somebody accept an invitation to an invitational conversation and can can I get more skilled at that other than saying i want to have a different conversation with you this is really important
1: so i think it's about thinking about what is a goal that the other person might might be interested in so i'm really interested in this our new team strategy and i think it's going to be important for your input because you have a good sense of the marketing issues and where we need to be going and so i would like us to carve out maybe 30 minutes or 45 minutes to have a have a conversation with you about this what's the best time for you that we can just focus on just this issue right. or um i'm really excited about um hearing about the, your semester Your semester is finished up. You're coming back from, you know, you have a child that came back from college. I'm really interested in hearing about your semester. I know that you're overwhelmed, you know, in terms of the end of your semester and you're trying to kind of figure out what you want to do for the holidays. But I want to make sure that we sit down and take time to really just talk about it because I care about you very much. I really want to take that time. So it's about, it's really about making sure the invitation includes the task and the relationship and why this person value you. value. You value this relationship. You value this conversation because that's when a person really wants to be a part of it because you're making them feel valued.
0: All right. So it's, I love that it's the task and I'm emphasizing the value of the relationship and I'm emphasizing the uniqueness. Right. Come back to what you said. People have to feel safe in the conversations. They have to feel that their opinion is valued and they have to feel free to say whatever they want to say.
1: Right. Right. Which okay. is, and that's again, that's again, what's making it different than than uh, competitive is that I am actually saying I'm open to hearing something that I might not agree with, and I actually am open to maybe having it, my opinion change from this conversation. So, okay. it, so I think what's really great about just this whole concept of an invitational communi- invitational presence is that you're almost setting up um, helpful ground rules or boundaries. Um, with someone. And even saying, hey, I've been reading about this idea of invitational conversations and how can we create those in our team? And this is what it means. It means safety, value, freedom. What do we need to do to create that kind of space in this team? Or what do we need to do to create the space as we talk about this incentive plan? I I think we we all need to have input on this. Or I I definitely want this strategy to come forward, but for us to be able to implement it at the local level, I need to understand what's happening in each of your communities. I would like to create an invitational space around this. So what I think is valuable about this rhetoric is it's it comes with it a term to call a specific type of dialogue, but it also gives you kind of some boundaries and rules of what does that mean in that space and how can we make sure that all of us, to your word, one was which was great, is co-create this space together.
0: Right. Um, it. Uh, Amy Edmondson's concept of psychological safety, is it safe to say what I want is part of what you're getting at here. And I know that there has been a little recent criticism of psychological safety of can we have too much. And what your different kinds of communication highlight is that I need the psychological safety to have the invitational conversation. I don't necessarily need it in the other three forms, maybe a little bit in the competitive, but especially in the invitational, which points where we need it and why we need it.
1: Right. And I think I really appreciate you bringing up, I love her work and I think it's really important to be thinking about that. But I think, and I think sometimes what happens is people use it as a reason to not have a conversation. Yeah, I don't feel safe. We're not having a conversation. I don't have psychological safety here. So let's stop talking. And that I think is going to keep us from learning. And that, I will never be able to change, if I have an opinion that you don't like, I will never be able to change my opinion unless I learn and better understand where you're coming from. If we both stay silent, no learning happens. Right. And I know there's so much conversation about diversity, equity, inclusion, and the importance of these kind of conversations. You can't have diversity and inclusion without invitational presence. Because diversity necessarily means you're gonna have different perspectives. Inclusion means I feel safe and valued and a part of this uh, organization. So I need to feel, for you to have diversity and inclusion, you have to be able to handle conflict and you'll have to be able to do it in an invitational way. And you can't just focus on, we can't talk about something that upsets people. So I don't think that Amy just refers to no one feeling um, comfortable yeah. until we're not going to talk. But I think sometimes people use psychological safety and that term yeah. as a mechanism to stop yeah. talking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there are t- certainly some communications. I mean, you can imagine as a manager of a team when we're trying to articulate what the target and the goals and the strategy and the direction and so on—that right. may be an entitled conversation. Absolutely, and it may be appropriate to be an entitled con- or a um, competitive conversation. And you, right? It's just it, but you need to understand what it is you're trying to achieve and why.
1: Exactly. How much input do you need from your audience, and how much? In- how much input? will you need for your initiative to be successful and the more input that you need the more you have to create this invitational space the more that you already know that you have this right solution and that that, that you actually don't need input i mean sometimes it's actually horrible to have to say you're having an invitational space and then you've already just decided to do something then people feel like oh we yeah, had oh, What's person, the point of this? Right? use it. Right, it's the you suggestion didn't. box that never gets opened.
0: Yeah, yeah, you didn't really mean it. All right, you've used some words interchangeably. You've talked about um, invitational presence, invitational conversations, invitational space. Mm-hmm. Is there are there physiological things that help the in the space that help foster invitational?
1: So, I think that so the environment when Sonia talked about invitational rhetoric that was when that was kind of what I built this from was she she said it's really important to build this environment where people feel comfortable, and I think what's what's problematic to that invitational environment is digital devices and this distraction and this push towards multi communicating and engaging in multiple conversations at once, and so I built this invitational presence idea around this idea of creating the environment where people feel safety, value, freedom to have, have these conversations. Right. And I think that's the um, you're right I had I do sometimes use it inv- uh, interchangeably yeah. but I think thinking invitational and keeping that word in your mind really helps you to stop thinking of persuasion in the same way. Right. Right.
0: Okay. I love it. I also think though, and it's something I've just been exploring again, that there are pieces in the way we set up the room and where we sit in the room, et cetera, et cetera, that may make it easier to do an invitational conversation versus not. And I also suspect it's easier to do invitational one-to-one than it is one-to-many. But maybe that's a podcast for another day because we're out of time.
1: (laughs) Okay. And I I, I, I would love to continue to talk about it. I think you already have a intuitive and um, a very thoughtful understanding of invitational because so much of your conversation is around trust and relationships. So it's a total meeting of the minds and I'd love to continue the conversation. Fabulous.
0: It's fabulous. All right, Janine, what a great, I love this conversation, obviously, because I feel like we've been sort of invitational here. All yeah. right, Janine Turner yeah. is my guest today. She's a professor at Georgetown University. Her book, by the way, Being Present, commanding attention at work and at home. And for one of the few occasions, this is the same process that's going to work well at work and at home and with your friends. So four kinds of presences, budgeted, entitled, competitive, and invitational. Janine, thanks for being here today.
1: Thank you so much. It's been an honor. I really appreciate it. It's
0: great fun. And join us next week for another episode in getting out of your comfort zone.